Guys, this is DJ Garcia, your town treasurer. How are you? I'm good. This is Deb Mortsweet, your deputy treasurer. And we are here today on recording our podcast. This is an episode of Before the Checks Are Signed, so that means that we have ourselves an honorary guest. Yes. Today is Jim Kofalt. This gentleman is a state rep for us in, in District 4. He also serves on the WLC school board uh, and very active member of our community. Uh, very well dressed too. I, I appreciate yeah. the, the 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 jacket. Hey, hey. I, I think you're dressed well too. Okay, thank you. Uh, so <laughs> you know, we had a quick discussion like we always do before we started about what the direction of this conversation was going to be. Uh, Jim actually approached us, said, "I really want to come on and discuss some things that I think your listeners and people in the community might want to know, specifically about uh, budgets uh, and how they translate to individual taxpayers and your tax bills." So we're going to get into that, uh, but what I'd like to do right now is just welcome Jim on. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Good awesome. morning. Good morning. Yeah, it's a beautiful morning today. Nice fall. No clouds anywhere. A little warm in here, but I'm always running a little hot. Uh, so what we'd like to do, uh, Jim, is just give you the floor and just you know go ahead and speak to all of our listeners. Who are you? What do you do? Why are you here? Uh, take it away. Well, again, good morning and thanks for having me on. Um, so, as you said, I'm a state representative for Hillsborough District 4, which is Wilton, Lineborough, Greenville, and Francistown. Uh, Lisa Post is the other state representative for that district, and then we have two that are part of what's called the Floterial District. So, in Wilton and Lineborough, we're represented by four, uh, four representatives. Um, I'm, I'm also, I was on the school budget committee previously, and I've been on the school board for about a year and a half now. Uh, so I'm pretty familiar with the budget issues and kind of how it all works. It's There's a learning curve there. Mm. And um, so uh, I guess, you know, w the reason I reached out to you is because I, I feel like, you know, we get, uh, we get good government when people are involved. Yeah. And um, that's actually why I ran for state rep and it's why I ran for school board. Um, and it's why I encourage people to show up for the district meeting, show up for town meeting, get involved with the budget process, and you know attend some of the meetings before the the annual district meeting, so you can perhaps become more familiar with the workings of the budget and how it affects your tax rate and, and things like that. You can also learn a lot about what's going on in the community. So recently, we had the Wilton House of Pizza hosted a. Uh, a fundraiser for a scholarship fund yeah. uh, on Saturday, and that was really great. And it was awesome. Superintendent Weaver came down and and uh, did some cooking and cleaned some dishes. I understand. It did. Um, and we have the upcoming showing of the movie yeah. that uh, yeah. that the Heritage Commission has been working on. Um, so there's that, and and actually this Saturday or this Sunday rather, there's a volunteer day over at at LCS. So October seventeenth. Um, and I'm sure there'll be information on that on the school district website, but if people want to come down and help paint or spread mulch or just clean up around the LCS grounds, uh, this coming Sunday, October 17th, is an opportunity to do that. Well, I'm, and I'm just, I'm going to interrupt you for a minute here, Jim, because I went to the school board meeting last night to present about our um, Wilton and Lineborough Heritage Commissions putting together this film to replace our fourth grade local history tour which is um, 
so it's going to be in October 23rd, but the kids are actually coming down to the theater, making a little field trip day of that. But just just being at the school board meeting, the the Fres principal brought up was in her report was talking about starting a chess club, and that got me to thinking because one of the school board members said do you need chessboard sets? And she's like, I actually do. I was going to purchase them. And so now, just this morning, there is a call to let's just go out and purchase these sets and donate them, you know, because you can't just hand the money to the school. That gets all complicated and involved. I think we can hand chessboard sets to the school. We won't get in trouble for that, right? I, I think that's a great idea, and it's a great example of how the community yes. can be involved. Yes, and, and, and just by going, in my, where I'm going with that is by going to these school board meetings, you find out the needs. Then you can, you can meet those needs without having to put that in the school. You use budgeted funds for the principal's discretion, of course, but for that, because that can be met right in the community. And I'm having a flashback right now of when you tried to hand Peter those colored pencils and he was like, I don't know if I can take these. <laughs> it, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, I, I just, I just don't, because I came from private, yeah, private medical, you know, I just don't, I just don't, I don't think about those things. There, There is actually a, a process when an organization is making a donation, the board has to actually approve receiving a, a donation certainly a donation of funds and of, of course I've never seen any reason why we wouldn't do that but uh, yeah it's a it's a it's a formality that we have to go through yeah so since it came up how would the process go of accepting the scholarship money that was raised this past weekend at Wilton House of Pizza it depends on how you're managing it and who you're paying it to so if you're paying it directly to a, a an educational institution on behalf of a student mm-hmm. who's going to to college, I imagine that the school district would not be directly involved with that mm-hmm. at all. I, I don't know. To be honest, I have not I have not thought about or looked into the, the details of that. But if it were paid to the school district to manage, then we would have to set up some mechanism to manage a scholarship fund. Again, that's something that I'm not I'm not familiar with what the legal Well I already gave the money to Peter, so okay. keep that in mind. That's kinda what I expected, you know, to discuss about who you represent as a state rep. Uh, I think you were saying too, you haven't even actually had active service as a state rep yet, is that true? Well, I have had active service. Okay. I have not actually been physically been in the state house as a state representative. I've been in the legislative office building, which is right next door, but Mm -hmm. we have not held a session in the house chambers. So we, back in, in December, we met on what's called organization day in a big football field at UNH. In January, we met in a parking lot. We all drove in and tuned in our radios to the same channel and uh, and met that way, and we had little voting devices in, in the car with us. Huh. And then most of the sessions that we've, uh, we've held have been at the Bedford Sports Complex. So big indoor soccer, football field where people can be really spread out. Mm. And uh, again, we've just got little clicker devices that we uh, use to cast our votes. Well, that's complicated, it seems. It's already hard enough to get those people together, but now to yep. do it in that manner. Well, there's 400 reps, right? Right, right. So, so it's like more than ever come to a town meeting in Wilton. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's actually 
I think that's one of the great things about New Hampshire is that we have 400 reps. Yeah. And it pays $100 a year. So you don't, you know, it doesn't attract career politicians. Um, it's a citizen legislature. So what we get in New Hampshire is people who are genuinely interested in, you know, in their in the state and their community and making the world a better place. And so regardless of which side of the aisle you're on, that's the motivation. And and it really it really results in um, I think a, a a very positive tone and, and good outcomes for, for the state. That, that was our introduction, and I feel very introduced to uh, Jim and what he does for us, so I would love to move on to some of the specifics of this discussion. Jim was looking for an opportunity to discuss, like we said in the intro, how changes in the school budget would affect an individual taxpayer. So I'm going to bow to your expertise and let you you know, kind of speak. Here's your soapbox and, and tell us what you think. Okay. So I guess... First of all, I just want to make it clear that I'm here as an individual. I'm not speaking on behalf of the board in this uh, in, in this uh, podcast. Um, so anything I'm saying is kind of my own my own opinion and my own take. But um, I think it's important that people be involved with the process. And when you get your tax bill, the the single largest portion of that tax bill goes to pay for our local schools. Mm-hmm. It's really a big cost driver, a lot of people don't necessarily understand sort of what causes that number to go up or down. Uh, Because if you go back a couple of years, we had relatively small increases in the budget. We have, you know, one or two percent in in any given year. But the property tax bill would would be increasing at at a much steeper rate. And why was that? Well, at the time, that was because, largely because we had declining enrollment, and that wasn't just a WLC problem that was kind of a, a whole regional issue um, that has since rebounded which is a good thing but why is that important to budgets the reason that's important to budgets is because you know we spend we budget a certain amount of money which is what we need to run the schools but then that's offset by state aid and state aid is driven by average daily membership ADM which basically means how many students do you have attending your schools. The simplest way to look at it is to say that we get, for fiscal 22, we'll get approximately $3,800 per student from the state. So if somebody comes in three quarters of the way through the year and they're only here for one quarter of the school year, we would get one quarter of that for, for that student. So it's it's prorated, it's adjusted. But um, you know, at the, you know, a couple of years ago, we were seeing that kind of sharp decline in or a steady decline in, in enrollment, and because we were losing that state aid, and because we still, you know, there's, certain, there's a lot of costs that, that don't necessarily scale down easily sure. as the number of students decrease. Local taxpayers had to fill the gap. Fortunately, we've seen a reversal of that. We're up to about, I, I want to say about 570 students in the district right now. So I think that's a really positive trend. But then there, especially in the past year, there have been other factors. COVID was a, was a major disruptor. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the fiscal year that ended June 30th, there were a lot of things that we didn't do because we couldn't, you know, learn, the learning process was, was disrupted in, in many respects. So field trips and things like that didn't happen. 
there were other things that we spent money on, uh, just making sure that we upgraded our technology and, and really kept all of that going. We, you know, we did a lot with, you know, air air filters and, and cleaning, and you know, so there's a lot of additional expenses as well. But much of that was paid for by federal grants. So we have, um, you may, people may hear the term ESSER grant. ESSER funds are part of the, the federal funding that's coming in for COVID, and it has to be spent in a certain way. It has to be spent for things that have been impacted by COVID. So when a lot of school districts were closing down, for example, around November, December, you know, there were some people who had discussed the idea that, you know, because of vacations and needing to quarantine if you travel out of state or have visitors, maybe we need to shut down, you know, go remote from mid-November to mid-January. And that was going to be a really painful process for the community. So people, you know, people had already been experiencing that. They needed to get back to their jobs. People needed to earn a living. And quite honestly, kids do a lot better. Most kids do substantially better when they're in a classroom, able to be with, with other kids, and able to be in front of a teacher mm -hmm. and, um, and learning face-to-face. -face. You know, one of the things that we, we did that other districts didn't was we, we said, we're gonna keep the schools open, we're actually gonna allocate some, some of that federal money to what we call long-term substitutes. So we're gonna hire some substitutes, some, some per diem certified teachers, we're gonna have them cover the gap so if there are situations where a teacher needs to be out for quarantine or you know went out of state and needs to, to to be out of the classroom for a couple of weeks if we can reassign them to remote work good if we can't then you know in any case we'll have a, we'll have a teacher there who can do that if they're not needed we can have them too because a lot of kids are falling behind mm -hmm. so it's that kind of innovative thing i think that adds a lot of value for the community we, we were able to use those ESSER funds, I think, in a way that, that really made a difference for people. So the, the overall budget, if you look at big picture, it's, you know, it was 12 and a half million approximately for the current year. You know, we've got a first look at the proposed budget for the coming year, and, you know, it's gone up as inflation alone will drive it up, but there's some other factors driving things up. But that's offset by about $3 million in, uh, close to $3 million in state aid that comes in. And it's also affected by this federal money, which, you know, we have funds that we can, you know, there's continued, we continue to have funds allocated for the coming year and even into the following year. So there, there's a lot of different factors that affect the, the total number and what people ultimately pay on their taxes. Well, and, and what's unique to our school in the last three years, the turnover that there has been in the administration, you know, and that's one thing we talked to Mr. Weaver about. You know, we have a new superintendent, new high school principal, new middle school principal, new elementary school principal. And yet we have all these, because I remember going to meetings, they were talking about contracted, contracts that need to be paid for, you know, that we're, we're contracted with these teachers, even when population, student population might be down, we still had those teachers that we were contracted for. Am I right? I remember, I remember that and like that those years were hard when numbers were going down do we move out a teacher well no we've got this many sections needed in this and like even last night coming up there are going to be 
there are three sections of third graders, so they're going to have to need three sections of fourth graders, With now there's just two. But before that, they're going to see this little bubble moving up into graduation. So, so regarding contracts, we're not obligated to keep people on staff whom we don't need. We can reduce staff. But what you're talking about is part of where it gets tricky when you talk about cost per student and additional students being added. If you have, let's say, 60 students in a grade, that's going to be three sections. If you add another student, it's not going to cost you anything um, in terms of, of teachers. Okay. But if you're at 50 students and you add one, now you're starting to get into, like you're just above that 25 yep. students per class cost. Do you add a third section yep. and reduce it to 17 per class or 17 or 18 per class? So that's where, you know, I've, you know, I recall someone asking at one of the meetings a couple of years ago, you know, what are your fixed costs and what are your variable costs? Well, there's a, there is a third category, which in accounting is sometimes called step costs, which is, you know, it doesn't cost me more for an individual student, but at some point, you know, you have to sort of step up to another classroom so that we're not over, overburdening teachers and, and making it more difficult for students to learn. So it, it's kind of a tricky thing to manage. Is there a sweet spot for our high school and our district for that matter? Like, is there a, a perfect amount of students per teacher based on, I mean, because like you said, if you add one more and pass that threshold, you might need another teacher, then you need another desk, then you need another bathroom. I mean, who knows what else you need to add to add five more students. So is there a spot that our school system is optimized? There, the, there is actually a board policy that specifies a number that we will strive for. And off the top of my head, I can't remember what it is. It's, it's in the sort of the mid to high 20s. Yeah. There was a situation a couple of years ago where, you know, a, a, I was not on the school board at the time, but the, a, a position had been eliminated and all of a sudden the class sizes were edging above 25. And a lot of parents showed up at a school board meeting and they were, you know, they were really concerned that the large class sizes were not going to be good for their kids. Mm -hmm. The board made a decision in that case to go back to adding that position back and to go back to smaller class sizes. So that's the student per class answer, but how about uh, from a budgetary aspect where you had said that we get $3,800 per student, you know, versus how much we collect in taxes, you know, is there a number, because I think you said 570 is what our school system's currently at. So would it be better to be 25 lower than that? Would it be better to be 80 higher than that, you know, and how does that kind of fit into how much it costs the taxpayer and the school? In, in my view, the, the, the more students we have, the better it will be for the district and for the taxpayers. Good. A couple of things here. First of all, we should have schools that people want to go to, uh, that the teachers want to teach at, that if we have excellence in our district, we, you know, we'll get larger student populations. Mm -hmm. The larger student population, as a, as a general rule, we're getting state aid per student. So the more students we have, the more economies of scale we achieve, up to a point. I mean, if, if, if we doubled the student population overnight, we would have capacity issues. During COVID, we might have had capacity issues as well because we were trying to, you know, we had to distance mm -hmm. the desks and things like that. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, adding more students to the district 
would be great. So how many how many is spent? And and I look at our nine school board members. Are all nine of them are very different. So if DJ and Deb and Jim were the school board members, or or let's just say we're we're coming in with our we need to spend money on this list. I mentioned the chess set, you know, and I don't play chess. My grandsons do, and it's lovely and and smart. I'm like going, yeah, that wouldn't be a big deal for me. But au contraire, DJ says, what would you say about chess sets, DJ? I would say they're important. Yeah, that's it's good, good brain candy. Okay, and and me being on the science end of things, loving microbiology, I'm like going. But microscopes are important. We need to make sure that those microscopes aren't getting put on a shelf and unused. Those kids need to see what's under those, what is microscopic, you know? I think those are in this sweet spot list that we have. And then Jim says... I, I say robotics. So we actually do have a robotics program. We have a robotics team. The kids love it. But I found out recently that there are competitions that they are not traveling to or not able to travel to without doing their own fundraising. So, which I think is great if they can do some fundraising, but I kind of looked at that and said, well, we're funding travel for sports teams, which I also support, but why would we not also do that for the robotics yeah. team? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it, it really comes down to a question of what provides the best value. Um, I, you know, I'll give a few examples of things that, that I've looked at over the years or maybe complained about over the years that I did not think provided value, and so we ultimately ended up removing them from the budget. So this goes back, you know, three, four years, but there was a case where, you know, it was proposed in the budget to, to spend about $8,000 on some capital improvements management software. You know, we have a capital improvements plan. It's managed in Excel, and and it's it's a single page Excel. It's not complicated. So I kind of looked at that and said, well, why would we do this? It doesn't make sense to me. We took it out of the budget. There are other instances where we've seen maintenance schedules that kind of said, you know, this item or that item. Cafeteria tables was one needs to be replaced every X years. My philosophy is, you know, I want you know, show me the tables. Show me show me why they need to be replaced. I don't think we should just replace equipment just because the calendar tells us to. We should look at, you know, is it serving us? If it's not serving us, let's replace it. Um, if there's safety issues, certainly let's let's repair or replace it. Uh, but we've seen some of those kinds of examples in the budget in, in prior years. I don't, you know, th those specific examples are, are things that I don't see adding value. They don't help educate the students mm -hmm. any better mm -hmm. and so it's those sorts of things that we really need to kind of dig into and and look for and uh, you know let's focus on the things that really add value to the community I would agree with that wholeheartedly you know I mean especially when you know because I'm involved with the budget committee for the town we're in we're in the middle of our budget season now I don't know do they, they don't overlap right because your calendar year ends in uh, June you said correct so they don't overlap so this is kind of the difference that we were discussing in the beginning of regular accounting versus government accounting where the years are different and the way that you do it I mean it's not zero based you kind of like start 
from a certain spot and I prefer zero based budgeting but that's just me because every year your needs are different so yeah. and and I like I love the concept of zero based budgeting it's also it can be a lot of work oh. because it you know traditional budgeting where you're sort of applying a some kind of uplift and you're going through and making some adjustments is significantly less time consuming um, and I'm thinking about the the SAU staff in particular because uh, our new business administrator Christy LaPlante has had a lot on her plate yeah um, but um, you know I, there are definitely line items where where we need to do that where we need to sort of apply that zero-based philosophy and say well, why do we need this and let's not just say it's because that was the number last year right and and i actually think that you know we have a team in place that is going to do an excellent job of that having said that a lot of what drives the school budget is salaries you know that is the lion's share and so it's salaries and it's benefits and it's the retirement which went up because the state had to adjust its the retirement contributions that municipalities and school districts are making because you know the, the returns were not realistic the projections were not realistic they needed to bring that in line with reality which means that we're all contributing more to that retirement fund every year you know health health insurance costs for example right now is in the draft budget that we saw last night as a five percent increase and we won't actually know the number until sometime in november the the process the budget process has just started. And so if people are interested in learning more about this, and I, and I always encourage people to get involved and, and learn about these things, right now is an ideal time to get started, get involved, start attending meetings. There's the budget committee meets uh, pretty frequently this time of year. The school board meets twice a month. Those school board meetings incorporate a budget committee meeting at the same time between now and, and January. So it's a really good time to read the board packet, mm -hmm. you know, read the, the minutes from the budget committee and the board, um, and just start to get familiar with this. If you don't know what something is, reach out to a school board member, reach out to the district and ask. You know, we had somebody asking last night, what is, what is this ESSER thing? Mm -hmm. What is that about? I think it's, uh, there's a learning curve, but if you, if you wanna learn more about it, if you wanna get involved, right now is the perfect time to do it. And, yeah, the meetings can be long sometimes. You know, last night we, you know, I think I got home around 11. Okay. Um, it's, we've gone later. You don't necessarily have to be there the whole time, but you'll learn a lot if you, if you show up and, and start getting involved with these things. I really appreciate that the citizens can look at the school board packet. You know, we can see what's on there. We can see what you're looking at. I, I just, I appreciate that, you know. I think you need to hear that, you know nine members of the school board and they're sitting down to make these decisions which is probably why it goes long probably be easier if there was five or three but that's not going to happen but i appreciate that so thank you all to thank you all you school board members who step in and take take that time because you have things and i'm sure it's been a pretty do. pretty difficult uh, oh. period to be on the school board too. I've seen some crazy news stories and video clips of just school boards getting berated by the public over safety and protocols and everything of the like and you know, you're all there just with the best interests of the students in mind. I'm glad you brought that up because yeah I think there, there's a lot of that controversy is not happening 
at that we all see. Yeah. And and I think that's great. But I'll also say that you know there there have been some I don't know if I want to say heated discussions, but there's there's definitely been discussions on the school board where people have different positions on uh, on masks, for example. I've come out on one side of that. I sort of think let's give people freedom of choice, let parents decide. Brianna Valley, who is a nurse and is the vice chair, uh, you know, feels pretty strongly about you know medical protocols, and you know we've we've gone back and forth in meetings about that. I think for some people they they, they look at the at, at the discussion and say, well, this is this is feels adversarial. It feels like there's a lot of bickering. My personal view, and and I've spoken to I've spoken to Bree about this. We we go out of those meetings and. We're friends, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, I I think that what you just said, DJ, is really important, and it's something that we all need to keep in mind. Which is, even if I disagree with you, we are here with the intention of improving the community. Yeah. We're here. We are here for the safety and well-being of the students, and making sure that we have great schools. And we may disagree about how we get there, but that philosophy it is present whether people see it or not. Yeah, it's it's there, and I think it's present in all in all public service. I mean, I see the same thing. It's like people disagree and bicker and argue, but they all have the same outcome in mind. They all want to make Wilton a better community. You know, the police department more efficient, the fire department to make us all more safe. I mean, that's really the goal of people who are in public service because you get a hundred dollars a year to be a state rep, so you're not doing it for the money. And I've I'm on record saying that I'm the treasurer of Wilton not because I need the the twelve hundred dollars. That I get paid because my per hour rate is probably like four cents, you know. I mean, because I've over dedicated to what it takes to be a treasurer of a town, just because I felt like it was more or less neglected by my predecessors, you know. So I've taken the time to dig in and I get involved in, you know, manager meetings and and department head meetings and all the other boards and committees. I go to every select board meeting because I want to see these things coming and truthfully. That's why I got involved in the first place because I wanted to see what was happening before it just showed up and I had to react to it. You know, well, I'm I'm not a reactor. And and DJ writes the check, signs the check for the school. I do. Know? So I so have quite a few knows, of them. He knows every month what. Yeah. How much how much the school is getting. And I mean, I would argue, you know, because I mean, I'm I'm an entrepreneur, and you know, you have to have your hands on something to really understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, to to you have to see how it works from. You know the tax bill going out to the taxes coming in to the checks being written then they get cashed and how do they get used i mean that's the budget process that's the end step we already had all the other steps but now we're kind of in the middle because they're about to set the tax rate in wilton which is going to directly or going to come straight from the state and then that a portion of that gets pre-allocated to the schools yeah and, and um actually the tax rate i i wanted to make a point about the setting of the tax rate because we do have a different fiscal year, mm-hmm. and and the school budget is set around the same time that the, the the town budget is set, but it's not it's not doesn't start to take effect until July first. Essentially, if we save money, like last year, I, I we we returned some funds to the taxpayers. This year, we're going to be returning more funds to the taxpayers, um, and and a lot of that is again driven by COVID and the the grant money and things that we didn't spend. So so there's a pretty substantial amount of money that's going to get returned to taxpayers. But not in a check, though, that, right? Not in a check. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to reduce the tax rate. But that tax rate reduction resulting from the year that just ended 
isn't actually going to show up in people's tax bills until much later. I'm trying to think of how much later it may, December, it may maybe? be, or it may be December of next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we won't have audited financial statements, I think, by the time. I, I may be wrong, yeah. but I don't think we'll have audited financial statements for June 30th by the time this, the DRA sets the tax rate this fall. So there's a delay. Um, there's a delay when we, you know, when we're able to save money. Unfortunately, it takes a while for that to trickle into the tax rate. There are some other things that are happening. I know that a lot of people are concerned that they just got their reassessment from the town of Wilton. Um, I'll say, you know, generally speaking, if everybody went up by the same percentage, then it, it's not necessarily going to increase taxes because, you know, the, the, the town still requires a certain amount of money to operate and we're proportionally sharing in that expense, same with the school district. The one area where things would go up is with the statewide property tax. The good news there is that um, as part of the biennial budget, the legislature actually took 50 cents per thousand off of the state tax rate. So that'll have an offsetting effect to any increase that may happen in the statewide education property tax as a result of the revaluation in Wilton. It remains to be seen exactly how that's gonna shake out, but those are, again, it, it, a lot of these things get complicated and yeah. you, there's a lot of different pieces and parts to figuring out the numbers. Which is why regular people have such a difficult time with it, which is why I, again, argue you need to get involved. If you're listening to this and you're still head spinning, come to these meetings and listen to the discussions that are happening. And that's one way that you can take ownership of it and start to understand it better. Because when I first got started, I remember being so nervous walking into my first select board meeting. Like, I don't know what to expect. I know nothing. And you and I were talking about up in Concord. I have no idea what to expect up there. You know, I mean, if I end up going that way or not, it's unclear, but it seems very daunting to just a regular person. Even somebody like myself who's connected, you know, locally, looking at work working up in Concord with all the state reps and all the people involved seems very overwhelming so just take ownership you know come get involved the school board's always looking for help the town is always looking for help you can volunteer at LCS this Sunday uh, there's lots of ways to get involved you can donate chessboards and microscopes uh, you can come on this podcast and, and talk about you know what you're not sure of or listen to this podcast because yeah. that's why we do this is to make these topics more digestible you know just more approachable easier to understand you know kind of dissected by two kind of dummies you know in a sense well and and i and and i'm really that one um ask questions if you have questions the school board in particular has three different periods of public comments you can ask a question and you need to you need to be from here but ask questions if you have a question even if it's sounds ridiculous out of the nine there's probably someone that's going to answer you know our superintendent will answer one of our high school one of our principals I keep saying high school I think you did that too <laughs> but our principals there will be somebody that will follow up with you and it's a small enough town we can do that towns so so people can also reach out to school board members or the school board as a whole by email and so if you reach out to the school board as a whole usually the chair or vice chair will answer but um, very often individual school board members will kick in those email addresses are posted on the website so if you go to sau 
www.schoolboardmenu.org, um, go to the school board menu and then choose members. And that will give you a list of the school board members. My email address for school board purposes is j.kofalt, K-O-F-A-L-T, at sau63.org. So if people have questions and, and want to learn more about this stuff, feel free to reach out. I mean, the information is there for you if it's something that you're interested in. And I mean, we've been beating this drum for years together, sitting at these meetings. We need to get more people here. Come to town meeting, come to voting sessions, vote for your local representation, vote for your state reps, um, and, and you know, put people in charge who you know, want to take charge, who want to or, have control. Or be that person. Or be that person yourself. I think we covered a lot of what we were looking to discuss here today. Um, I would love to just ask Jim if there's any parting words, any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us or any of your listeners, any of the listeners, uh, please you know, take a moment to do that. I guess I would just say that there are people serving a lot of different positions, not just school board, school budget committee, treasurer, heritage commission, library trustees who are doing what they do because they care about the community and they want to make it a better place and they love hearing from you. I met with some, um, some Boy Scouts not long ago who needed to interview an elected official and they asked me sort of what, like, what would you need from us and I said we need to hear from you, we need to, we need to know what your concerns are and they were very surprised by that answer but we really do want to know what people think if people get engaged, you know, go to the meetings, learn, learn more, we can do a better job. So the old adage then, no news is good news. You know, I mean, if you're not hearing from your constituents, then you must presume that they're happy with the job you're doing. Yeah. Or that they want to nudge you one way or the other. Well, and, but I, you know, I also tend to think um, sometimes no news means that people aren't aware or... Or, or aren't involved in, and my view is that the more people get involved, the better government we can have. That is correct. Well, I want to thank you very much, Jim, for coming on our podcast today. You've been very informative. Um, pleasure to speak to you. Well-spoken, um, as you said you would be. You know, no foot in the mouth that I saw today. Uh, so, you know, we really appreciate the time. Um, reach out to Jim at j.cofalt at sau63.org. And uh, this Sunday, come to LCS to volunteer. School board meetings are the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. The budget committee also meets in conjunction with those meetings at least once a month. Twice, twice a month right now. It's, okay. Right now, every school board meeting has a budget committee embedded in it. Okay. And all of those dates are posted on the sau63.org website. Got it. So go check out there, and also you can get that same information at the wiltonnh.gov website about town happenings. So our meetings are all posted there as well. We're going to go ahead and close out this episode of Before the Checks Are Signed with Jim Kofalt. Thank you very much for coming today. And as always, there's no taxpayer dollars used in the production of nope. this. I've been spending all my money on all this gear that we've been using yeah, here. So nice stuff. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much, Deb, for coming on all with right. us today. And we'll talk to you all next time. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.